Hi everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before we get into the stories, I just wanted to say I'm sorry that this video is so short. I'm really trying to do different topics, but sometimes I just don't have enough stories. Nevertheless though, I really hope you guys still enjoy it. And if you have your own story, be sure to send it at southerncannibal.com. All that being said, let's get into the stories. And remember, to always... Stay hungry. I want to start off by saying that there's some gruesome details in this experience. If you're not a fan of that, I would definitely skip this story. This happened in the 2000s in one of the more shady areas of New York City. Now, I really love my city. I was born and raised here, and I am who I am today because of the experiences I've had here. With all that being said, this city isn't safe in my opinion. There's constant robbering, stabbings, shootings and kidnappings, and much more. I grew up around this, so for me, it was fairly normal. As a teenage guy, you think you're invisible though. I was coming back home late after a night out with my boys. It was me and two of my friends that lived close to my house. We got on a completely empty subway. Our stop came and we then get off, keeping note that nobody got off behind us as the train was empty. As we walk up the steps that lead to the sidewalk, we then hear this lady start screaming. Somebody help, they're gonna kill me. I look at my two friends and then back down the steps. In a split second, we spring into action and make our way back down and into the subway. This is one of the biggest regrets in my life. We start searching for the source of the screaming and it then leads us to the right corner, right between the ticket booth and the train's platform. In the corner is this middle-aged woman wearing a ski mask and howling away. Now, you're probably thinking, how the fuck can you be so dumb? She's wearing a ski mask. But you'd really be surprised what you see crazy people wearing in New York. She looks completely fine and alone, but still, my friends and I being the hero wannabes we were, decide to approach her and ask her if she's okay. Right as we approach her, she lunges at one of my friends and she's instantly on top of him, sizing up his jean pockets, looking for his wallet. My blood runs cold as I then realize that we just walked into a trap. My second friend and I try and get her off our friend that she was on top of. We didn't even notice the guy that was then approaching us from the corner. I instantly tumble away from the woman as it then punched me really hard right in the back of the head. My other friend springs up and swings back at him, then missing him. By this time, the woman was practically beating up my friend that she was still on top of lifelessly. All of a sudden, the guy then pulls out a huge ass knife and then screams at us to give him all our money and valuables. He gets his partner off my friend and he tells us to get on our knees and we comply. I still remember thinking to this day that this is how people get executed and that my time had come. I start saying prayers and thinking about my family. My friends and I empty our pockets, and one of my friends even takes off his expensive watch and then begs them to let us go. The guy just laughs as he looks around, knowing that no one was watching him at this time of night. I swear to God, I wanted so bad to just take off that fucking mask and punch him smack in the face like he did me. If it weren't for his knife and psycho partner, I probably would have. Both him and his partner start spatting our heads and she then starts to whisper something in the guy's ear. 
He starts laughing, and he barks at us to take our pants and shoes off. I felt myself getting angrier by the second. She opens up her loot bag, and she tells us to put our shoes inside of it. She then takes the knife out of her partner's hand and kneels down to one of my friends and makes two shallow cuts in his inner thigh, right below his boxers. My anger then turned into outright fear of my life as blood then starts seeping out of his leg, and I then see tears rolling down his eyes. My other friend who was to the left of me, and on the side near the friend she had just cut, starts begging them to let us go and to please not hurt us. Well, this didn't really sit well in the woman's head, and she then drags him by the hair to the edge of the train platform, and then she says to him, If you say another word, I'll throw you down and watch you turn into mincemeat. She then proceeds to furiously kick him in the face until blood started trickling down his nose and lips. I knew I was up next, and I prepared my body for a beating. As I see my friends simply laying in defeat, I hear the faint sound of footsteps coming down the stairway. These two morons also heard them, and then grunt in disapproval. They gather their newfound belongings, which was our stuff, and get ready to dip to whatever rat hole they came from. Before they leave, the woman sort of curdles her hand on my jaw, and she makes me look up into her eyes and then says, Next time you won't get away, kid. I'll make you bleed in places you never have. And with that, they ran off laughing into the night. The person walking down the platform was yet another homeless crazy, but at least he was a friendly one. We got ourselves up and ran out of there in our boxers and briefs. If it weren't for the fact that we were hurt and scared out of our lives, we would have laughed. We ended up going to the hospital, but we decided not to tell the cops, as again, these things were fairly common in our area. From that day forward, neither my friends nor myself ever rode that subway past 10pm at night. I really hope to never see those two again, especially that crazy woman who really got off on torturing us. So, I was around 15 or 16 when this happened, and at the time, my mom and dad and I were on a family trip to New York City. I'm currently 18. It was a really good trip at first. We visited the Statue of Liberty, Madison Square Garden, and Times Square, as well as other places. For the most part, it was a normal vacation, but towards the end of our trip was when everything went to shit. It was our last day there, and we were trying to get back to the airport, so we decided to take an Uber. A couple minutes pass, and a gray Civic then pulls up to the sidewalk we were on. I remember noticing that he had Lyft and Uber stickers on his car in multiple places, almost excessively. It kind of felt like he was trying to prove that he was our Uber. It was just a small thing, but looking back, I really wish that I took more concern about how sus this guy was. Anyways... We were running late, so I'm guessing my dad didn't really pay attention to the license plate, because this guy was definitely not an Uber driver. Now, to describe the man, he was a lanky African-American man wearing clothes akin to rags, and he looked like he was drugged out, but at the time, nothing really seemed off to us. Again, we were running late, and everything that happened was the least of our expectations. The ride was normal until we got to the airport. We all kind of just expected him to get off the highway and then let us off, but he didn't. Instead, however, 
He had casually continued down the highway, past where we wanted to be dropped off. This was when my dad noticed that the man didn't have a meter or his phone set up with the Uber GPS open. We were starting to get worried, and my dad then asked him in a really stern voice, Excuse me, where's your meter? The man stayed silent. Flustered, he asked once more, this time yelling, Hey, where's your meter? Again, no reply. But at this point, the man had then started dashing down the highway, waving past other cars, and just driving very dangerously. We were all kind of just panicking at this point, and my dad was now screaming at him. Hey, let us off! My mother was now crying and praying with her rosary clutched firmly in her fist, and I was in shock. I froze. I couldn't even cry or scream. As much as I so desperately wanted to, I was completely immobilized. This continued for a while, driving down an unfamiliar road to God knows where, with the only car getting faster and faster. I started having those classic end-of-the-road type thoughts, like, holy shit, this might be it, and there's nothing I can do about it. But luckily, we were saved. I don't know if we passed by it or if someone in the car we passed had called the cops or something, but we soon heard sirens blaring behind us, and we were now being tailed at very high speeds by multiple police cars. One of the cops had a megaphone or something to amplify their voice and then screamed for the man to pull over. Obviously, he put up a fight and the police had to actually cut him off for him to finally stop. The police helped us get out of the car and we got all of our things from the trunk while putting blankets around us and telling it was going to be okay and that we're safe now. Don't get me wrong, it still kind of fucked me and my family up hard, and I was still left pretty traumatized, but I was at least glad that now me and my family were alive and safe. The police gave us a ride back to the airport, and everything went as planned from that point on, but holy shit am I glad that I never had to find out where this guy was taking us, and whatever he was planning to do with us. Just thinking about it still gives me goosebumps. I guess the moral of the story is to always check the license plate before getting inside an Uber or a Lyft. That feature on the app that tells you what it is exists for a good reason. Now, this is a creepy coincidence story that didn't happen to me, but it happened to my dad back in 2001. I'm the middle child, and I was three years old, and my two sisters were two and five. He was working for a company at the time that did quite a few big meetings and business trips. Then, had required him to do a bit of traveling. For whatever reason, he was laid off from his job on September 9th, 2001, just two days before 9-11. On the morning of 9-11, he's still asleep, and he then gets a call from my grandfather. He then starts yelling really awful racial slurs. I'm gonna fucking kill these motherfuckers! My dad then asks him why he's yelling and cursing and throwing all these racial slurs so early in the morning. My grandfather then tells him to turn on the TV immediately. Well, you guys know the rest. We all just watched the events of that day unfold on live TV. Of course, I was just a three-year-old little boy, and my two sisters were way too young to understand what was really going on and just how devastating these events were. Now, here's where shit gets creepy. After the towers had collapsed, my dad gets a phone call from one of his colleagues or managers. The man's name was Cliff. He asks him, 
James, what the hell just happened? There was a loud explosion and then it just got extremely chaotic and the smoke was too thick. I couldn't see anything. Then it felt like I was falling. I might have blacked out. Now it's dark and completely silent. My dad explained to him that there was a terrorist attack and that the planes had hit the World Trade Center and then the towers collapsed. I really don't know how the conversation went after this, but eventually the man's phone cut off. He somehow survived the collapse by being in an air bubble or something like that. I really have no idea how it was physically possible. He had been trapped under all the debris. I honestly have no idea how he was able to get phone service underneath all that debris. Well, his body was never found during cleanup. Now, the main reason I'm sharing this story is because of what my dad told me when I was around 10 years old, learning about 9-11 in the 5th grade. Right before he was laid off, there was a business trip he was supposed to attend. He was to go to Manhattan in New York City from our home in Dallas, Texas. His meeting took place on the 72nd floor on the North Tower. It was supposed to start at exactly 8 a.m. Coincident or not, this is absolutely bone-chilling. It's painfully scary to think that he was only two days away from being a victim of this tragic event. I really don't know what my life would be like today or even growing up, knowing that my own father was a 9-11 victim and having to watch all those videos and documentaries of it every year. Our family's so glad that he never had to go on that trip and to attend that meeting. My heart goes out to all those people who lost their lives that day, as well as their family and friends, including the police, firefighters, first responders, and so on. So yeah, that's my creepy 9-11 story. And we still bring this up every now and then. The story may not be the scariest and considered tame by some of the other stories read on this channel, but I really didn't understand just how much worse the situation could have turned out until I was much older. I was almost kidnapped when I was a kid. I was nine years old and in the fourth grade, attending public school. I don't want to say which one, but it's named after a famous baseball player, and he played for the Dodgers and Mets in the Midwood section in Brooklyn, New York. I was waiting for friends on the side of the schoolyard. Since it was morning, cars were pulling over to drop off students. With this happening around 35 years ago, it's really crazy. It's honestly crazy just how much detail I can remember. With the incident happening only around 30 seconds, I can recall the color make and model of this car that pulled over. It was a 1987 gold Toyota Camry. I know, you're probably thinking, how can I remember all that? While writing this, I had googled the car. As soon as an image popped up, there was no doubt. I felt my stomach drop, like I was on the world's fastest roller coaster. The street was a one-way, with a passenger side on my side. This chubby older white guy with a gray beard and wire rim glasses then leans over the passenger front window, which was halfway down. He then starts waving. I pay him no mind and I think he's waving to someone else. Then he points right at me and starts waving again. Once I acknowledge him, he then motions for me to come over. I don't think anything of it. There were no red flags or alarms going off in my head. Maybe he needed directions or information pertaining to the school. 
there were a dozen of legit reasons why he was calling me over. Well, I stopped about a foot from the passenger side window, and I'd even noticed a toddler that was in the car seat in the back. He keeps motioning over, and he starts patting the passenger seat for me to get in. Not a word. Remaining quiet the whole time. Him remaining quiet the whole time, I think, was the eerie and creepy part. I had no intention of getting in. We learned about stranger danger in school. Even though I was only nine, being in the mid-80s in Brooklyn, I did have street smarts. I wasn't yelling, but I was getting louder with every way that I was telling him that I wasn't getting in. At this point, a mom came over with her kid and then stepped in. Once she was threatening to call the cops, he couldn't leave fast enough. After he left, the mom then walked me into the office. I had told the ladies in the office about what had happened and then to the principal. I was then told to have a seat on the bench that was right outside the office. Was I in trouble for some reason? I mean, I just wanted to go to class and of course, also tell my friends what had happened. My train of thought was totally broken when two New York City cops came walking up the stairs. After a few moments of them being in the office, I was called in. First and foremost, I was told that my mom was called. Naturally, she was on her way down to the school. Next, I spoke to the officers. I told them the story, and I answered all their questions. My mom showed up while I was talking to the cops. Of course, I had to tell her what happened. She spoke to everyone there while I went back to the back bench and waited. A little while later, my mom appeared again. She told me that I was going home early with her. At first, I protested. I wanted to stay and tell my friends that I was almost kidnapped. Once mom promised pizza on the way home, I was ready to leave. Since this was pre-cell phone days... No texts and or emails went out to parents. At the end of the day, all the students had a memo that they had to bring home from the school. Unfortunately, however, he was never caught. After that day, we never heard anything about it again. Fortunately, though, he was never seen around that school again.